Well, good morning, dear friends. It is such a joy to be back up in front of you for a second time. It feels like it's been a long time since I've been here, and there is some truth to that. Over the month of January, myself and 34 other seminary students, along with two professors, had a chance to visit Israel for a couple of weeks. It was a time of growth, a time of exploration, a lot of learning, and to be honest, it was also a source of pain. I feel that whenever I travel, I tend to look beyond the landscapes. I tend to look beyond what the tourist sites are and what would be common sightseeing. For me personally, I love to look at the people. I love to get to know the locals. They always have the best restaurant selections. They always know where to, where to go and, and what's the less busy area. And the professor leading this trip, Professor Gary Burge, who most of you might know, he, if you know him, he likes to take the back route. Um, he really wanted us to get to know the people, and for that I was overjoyed. And during this time, we learned a lot about the conflict that's happening um, in Israel between the Israeli and Palestinian citizens. This conflict affects political, social, and religious views. And as a result of this, there have been various divisions, both in social circles as well as the church. We learned a lot about this trip and during this trip about this conflict. And we also heard about various experiences. And when I hearing about these experiences, I found myself with two main emotions. I felt myself with a great deal of sadness, and I also felt a sense of mourning for the people. I, I didn't know what to do with those feelings coming back, and it took some time for me to really pray and process through that. During this time, I thought about the kind shop owners in Bethlehem who are unable to have a thriving business. I thought about the Israeli Jews who are unable to worship freely, and I thought about the city of Jerusalem and all of the divisions within that. I thought of the Holy Sepulchre, which is a major church there, and how even within that huge, beautiful space, there were lots of compartments for different religions and dif different backgrounds to worship there. They couldn't freely worship together. My heart longed for a day of peace, and my heart longed for times that they wouldn't have to live under occupation. In today's text, we are in the middle of or the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. He has begun healing people, and this causes Jesus to be well known and seen. Many people would crowd around him, and many people would travel from faraway places to hear what he has to say and teach. And this text that we read in Matthew takes place at the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And, and this place is a large hill that Jesus brings his followers. And one thing to talk about um, is that this space is now called the Mount of Beatitudes. And when we think of the word mount, it's not a typical mountain that you would think of. It's actually a large hill. And this is actually, you can kind of see up there, there's now a Franciscan uh, Catholic church up there, which is it's beautiful. And Jesus chose to move his disciples to this large hill 
because he wanted them to see and hear him clearly and wanted them to see and clearly, clearly see and hear him well. And as the crowds were among him, he began to teach. Found in the text of Matthew, we have nine phrases that Jesus talks at this great hill. And in this, he uses the word blessed. What does this word blessed mean? Let's take some moments to shout out. What are some definitions of the word blessed? God's presence. presence. Provided for, absolutely. Rewarded. Beneficial, absolutely. Happy. I can sense one more. Peace, I think I heard that over here. Absolutely. All right. Well, and thank you for all of those definitions. And, and those, are, those are very sacred definitions that we hold within ourselves. And unfortunately, the word blessed can also be a source of confusion and pain when looking at today's text. You see, there's a misunderstanding as to why Jesus uses the word blessed. And one thing that's worth mentioning is that Jesus is not saying that through our own actions that we will be blessed. The word is actually the highest type of well-being possible for human beings that only can be found through him, a blissful, a blissful existence. And for this morning, we are going to focus on verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn or who are sad, for they will be comforted. Throughout scripture, and specifically Matthew, we see instances of this mourning. The word mourn means to feel or express grief or sorrow. Backing up into Matthew 2, when Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph had to flee Egypt because King Herod was killing the baby boys under two years old. We also see in chapter 2, a prophecy from Jeremiah is fulfilled when Rachel is weeping and is in mourning as she feels the death of her children and refuses to be comforted. And we also, in the coming chapters, see mourning in the coming crucifixion of Christ. The very one who is on this large hill will eventually be hung on the cross and will cry out in grief and sorrow. And there's also mourning found within the crowds that are sitting there in front of him. They are all mourning and know the loss of pain. And they also know the comfort that Jesus brings. It's probably one of the main reasons why they were there in front of him in the first place. They knew that Jesus was safe and they were curious as to what more he had to say. And the purpose of the Beatitudes, which is this text from Matthew, is to address the followers of Christ. And those around him are in what we call a fork in the road. They are between two paths, and they have to choose. Jesus is teaching them about what it means to be a righteous person and to have a, what we call a rightly ordered life. They must, be, they must have been in complete silence and in awe as what Jesus was saying, and they must have hung on to every word that he said. And they must have been anxiously waiting for guidance and knowledge as to how to choose the right path, the righteous path that led in the midst of mourning, but to that righteousness, to follow God and not this world. And in the midst of mourning, they were waiting. 
And unfortunately, into today's world, we know a great deal about mourning and suffering. During my time in Israel, we did have a chance to visit the Mount of Beatitudes, and we were able to find a quiet place to actually read the Sermon on the Mount text. And, and while I was reading, I thought about the various conflicts that were taking place. As I was reading through the Sermon on the Mount and learning about what's happening in that space, I couldn't help but connect the conflict and all that I was thinking about and learning about during that trip. So here I was, I was sitting, I had a view of the Sea of Galilee, the sun had just risen, the massive amounts of tourists had not come yet, and it was very peaceful. But I was so at a loss for how to sit in that space and how to process, process through things that I was thinking about. And so as I, I, I remember I stopped reading and I just sat there and all I could do was simply pray, how long, oh Lord, how long will this, this unsettledness, both in Israel but in a broad spectrum, how long will this continue? And later on, we as a group heard various testimonies and experiences. And one that stuck out to me in particular around this conflict and around the injustice was a conversation between two individuals, a Israeli Jewish man and a Palestinian woman. And they both shared instances of how the conflict affected them. The Jewish man shared about the loss of his brother during a war as a result of this conflict. And the Palestinian woman shared a story about the loss of her husband due to police brutality. He was Palestinian, the police were Israeli, they had an argument and it escalated quickly. And as they were sharing all of these, I couldn't help but think that these stories are not uncommon. Not just in Israel, but there are a lot of us here today who know what it is like to have governmental corruption and violence present. Some here have even had to flee their countries and leave, and leave their lives behind. And we in the United States also feel the tension of the political climate here in this country. So when understanding the concept of mourning, we have to understand that what the text is saying and how it connects with our lives today, that this mourning is so much bigger than we tend to view it. This mourning is a sorrow, a deep distress, and it is a loss of one's innocence, righteousness, and self-respect. And in this, there is this longing for repentance. There is this longing for comfort. And we in this room are all experiencing loss, pain, and sorrow. And in these moments, there are times when all we can do is pray, how long, O Lord? Okay, so let's look back to the text. We are on the Mount of Beatitudes. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. The word blessed is connected typically sometimes with the words happy. But an important understanding here is that Jesus is not saying that we should be happy or we should put on a fake persona or a fake attitude through our times of trials and persecution or that we're not allowing ourselves to feel. 
But Jesus means, but when Jesus says this, he means that God is thinking of them and that what they are going through and that he promises to be close to them. Therefore, they are blessed. After these things, Jesus affirms that those who mourn will be comforted. Friends, this is an image of grace. The Beatitudes are structured around these phrases that include both present and future language. The use of the word, uh, the use of the present in verse four is, those, is that word are. So blessed are those who mourn. But then there's that future promise, that future will be for those who are mourning. They will be comforted. And that will be is that future promise that we can cling to and that future promise of a comfort. And going back to our our short discussion of Matthew 2, we see this comfort and this grace when Mary and Joseph are able to come back from their time in Egypt. They're able to come back and reestablish themselves after Herod died. And we also see this future promise and the death, resurrection of Christ and the salvation for our sins. Jesus is promising after every phrase of the Beatitudes, for they will, with that clause, for they will be comforted, for they will receive what they hunger and thirst for, for they will receive that spot in heaven during times of persecution. And as we learned this morning from Micah, the reference back to Exodus, the same God that brought the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land is the same God that continues to work both in the Old and the New Testament and our lives today. And even in the darkest moments of our learnings in scripture, the grace of God can be found. And as we go back to the testimonies that I mentioned earlier of the Israeli gentleman and the Palestinian woman, while there was great sadness in their stories and great pain, there was also such hope These two actually met in a support group called Parent Circle. And you can only get into this group if you've experienced the loss from this conflict, loss of specifically a loved one. And through meetings at this place and meetings with this group, they're able to call each other friends, people that should be political enemies and all of the baggage that comes with conflict. They chose to to work through that and to continue to process through their emotions, through their grief, their pain, the amounts of anger that they feel as a result of this. And I just was amazed by how they joked with each other, they hung out with each other, and just seeing them in our group, we could see their bond that they held together. And they explained how important this parent circle group was for them and how many have been affected with that. So here's a picture of us. Um, So this is actually a group of Calvin Seminary students along with Grand Rapids Theological Seminary group, a group that was there. Um, We were on separate trips, but we spent some time in the same hotel together. So I'm kind of in the blob in the middle of humans, if you can see. Um, But this picture serves as a reminder of that conversation. And in the midst of pain and loss, there's hope. And there's grace with that. And these two were the the funniest people and they were so kind to us and opened all of our questions and, and they were very honest with us about their feelings.
And dear brothers and sisters, this world is filled with mourning. There's no sugarcoating this. Everyone in this room has experienced loss and you carry that with you. However, there is such comfort in knowing that you are thought of by God. You are not abandoned to surrender to your grief, to your pain, to your loss. Jesus is not dismissing what you are feeling and those pains are real and raw. The Beatitudes are not meant to disregard the current distress. They are meant to be a source of hope, an inkling of what is to come. It's okay to express how you feel to God and to those whom you trust. And it's important for us to acknowledge that and that we are not too broken, we are not too fill in the blank, we are not too sinful, too greedy to come to God with what we are feeling. Theologian and priest John Stott talks about this concept of coming to God with our burdens and coming to God with our Christian tears, as he mentions, as he calls it. And he states, Jesus wept over the sins of others, over their bitter consequences and judgment and death and over the city which would not receive him. We too shall weep more over the evil of this world, as did, God, as did the godly men of biblical times. We have our own sins to weep over as well. And it's okay to grieve towards a new hope. We all need each other in this process. And just as the two speakers from Parent Circle needed each other, we are a part of a church that strives to build community and be welcoming to all. God has not forgotten us, and he knows what we are feeling and wants us to come to him. So friends, I encourage you to think about the areas of, in your life that you are experiencing grief. Maybe that's the loss of a loved one, loss of a job, loss of a purpose, financial stability. Maybe student loans are making it hard for you to buy a house or to make ends meet or the loss of a, a marriage, a divorce. Whatever that may be, and as we move into this week, I hope and pray that you sit with the Beatitudes. Sit in that space where you are able to focus on the text and sit with God and, how, and think about ways that he has brought you comfort and that hope for that future promise. And there might be times this week where you feel the only comfort is the promise that Christ is coming and, and to make things all right. That earthly comfort that you seek for may not come, but we can hang on to that future promise because that time is coming where Christ will make everything all right. Dear friends, it is coming. We can rest in knowing that our salvation does not come from ourselves and our own works but through the power of the triune God. And to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.